I'm your host, Katie Helper, and it is Wednesday, 6-22, June 22nd. I'm here as always. If it's 6-ish, if it's after the news, on a Wednesday, you know you can always count on joy, happiness, enlightenment, wokeness, knowledge dropping, from the Katie Halper Show on WBAI, that's WBAI.org, on the interwebs, or 99.5 FM. And as always, I'm joined by my co-chair, Gabriel Pacheco. That's right, Gabriel Bundlestacks Pacheco, just making all that, all that loot. All that loot. All that WBAI money. Exactly. And by money, we mean... Um, uh, Yo, I'm just fame and for- fame, I'm fame, not fortune. Getting so much fame, recognized so much fame. on the street, on the street for this voice. I mean, by the voice, you just literally ask. Uh, you, you hail a cab. You uh, ask they the say, bus driver. They go. They stop exactly. because they're like, "Hold on, wait a minute. Let me hear that voice." Yes, you are Gabe Pacheco from OMG. WBAI Radio. OMG, I've been wanting to meet you my entire life, or at least since last June. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I get to right now. And of course, we're also here with Reginald. Is your name Reginald for yeah, real? Yes, Reggie. Just Reggie. Like it's that's your given Reggie. name. Reggie James Johnson's my given name. Wait, have we talked about this? Who's the engineer in chief? Yeah. Um, hi guys. Hi. So glad to be here. Do you know my dad's name is Jimmy James Paul Johnson? Who's James Paul Johnson? He was a, a black jazz pianist in the something twenties, I think, thirties. Oh. Jimmy P. Johnson or something, and that's who my dad's named after. So really. And you're Reggie James James Johnson. Johnson. So right. you just take. I was the named Paul. after a cop. Really? Yeah. Who was this cop? Uh, this cop that was uh, a Coptic cop. No, no, Egypt? no. Actually, he was a real. He was a cop in the true sense. I mean, not, you know, as uh, uh, he lived in the community. He um in Harlem and and was actually pretty well revered in uh, within the community back in the nineteen sixties and seventies when he was, uh, when he was a. Uh, on duty he was on duty so he was actually one of the good ones one of the good people that were and uh that was part of the nypd so uh, oh wow yeah what happened to him and his elk well, elk? well elk. i don't know i'm just kidding I'm there's some good nypd and he was uh, a person that throughout his tenure never uh pulled the trigger he used his brain rather than um his gonads uh, yeah really he 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 thought before he reacted. Right. He didn't shoot first, ask questions later. Exactly. He didn't shoot first, call a union, uh, NYPD union rep and lawyer, and then ask questions later. And he deflected a lot of um, a lot of skirmishes, particularly especially during the time of the late '60s and early '70s when there was a lot of hullabaloo going on during that time. Mm. Hullabaloo. Yeah. Hullabaloo. That was the political scientist term of preference i believe oh well so i think i got that from yeah somewhere yeah i think i was one of my sociology classes there you go i got that from there you go right so gabe what's up with you let's just i think we can shoot the ish for a little bit before we get into our our first guest and i just want to put a little preview out there first of all you guys know what happens the first wednesday of the month that's when we have our show in front of an audience you've got to come that means our next one is july Sixth? July 6th, yes. Is that going to be a Wednesday? Is it going to be a Tuesday? Yes, what are we doing? So here's the deal, guys. We're giving you a heads up. We traditionally, historically, do them the first Wednesday of the month, which means our next one will be July 6th. But then we're going to we're gonna switch it up a little bit, add some zest and spice into your schedules, and start doing it a Tuesday. 
Now I will confirm with everyone which of the four Tuesdays it will be on. But just know, not Wednesdays anymore, but Tuesdays. And that's going to be great because then for the people who can't come to that show in front of an audience, we just play it the next day. And it's still fresh. That's right. In uh, our last show, we had, uh, we had a full full house. It was packed. I mean, literally standing room only. Wall to wall. Humid. Wall to wall. It got humid in yes, there. Yes, from Gre- the windows to the walls. Greenhouse style. Greenhouse style, exactly. And uh, it was a great time. So we're going to tell you next week. We want to keep you in suspense for a little bit more. And then we will tell you next week. Yo, if you're at home, just keep sitting there on your hands with bated breath waiting exactly. until next week to find out who will be on the show. Or sit there on your breath with bated hands. How do you like that? You can do that, too. Yeah, and I'm not sure what that would look like. Anyway, um, and of course, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud. You guys know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gabe, are you okay? You look very you look very rabbinical right now. So I'm feeling rabbinical. I'm feeling very, uh, you know, like I might convert. I might become, uh, I might go and jo- just Kabbalah, read the Kabbalah like Madonna. Get your Kabbalah you know what on. I mean? Uh, just try to get back to the Abra- Abrahamic original, the mm. OG Abrahamic monotheistic religion. Is that a word, Abrahamic? O G A M. Yeah, it is. You know. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Well, I just want to give you guys a little preview of our show. And of course, by the way, iTunes, SoundCloud, find us there. And also, Gabe Pacheco, you can find ITF in the flesh every Wednesday. That's right. Tell I'll, them about it. I'll be at Pete's Candy Store this Wednesday, which is tonight yep. at uh, in Williamsburg, which is you know the the hotbed of hipster culture. Yep. Come come on down to Williamsburg. We're right off the L train, Bedford L, or you can get off at the Lorimer L. So many and options. Walk to Pete's Candy Store, which is like a beautiful Wes Andersonian type uh, performance venue, uh, very intimate, and it feels like a miniature dollhouse has been, you know. Whatever, that's right. just it I looks like nice. That. So and it hides from any genuine emotions and is uh, super inter- ironic. ironic. I totally get it. Wes yeah, we Andersonian. Wes, Wes Andersonian. Andersian, if you will. Andersian. So here's what we have coming up on the on the pike. Uh, so excited. We have Lee Fong, who we're going to call in just a, a couple of, I mean, basically in a minute or Lee two. Fong from The Intercept? From The Intercept, oh, yeah. Oh, that's delicious. I mean, this guy is great. He's... Um, he was one of the first, I think, if not the first people to uncover and detail the role of the billionaire Koch brothers in financing the Tea Party movement. Oh, that's fun because I'm just reading Dark Money Dark right Money. now. Well, it's an audible book, so I walk around on the streets and I listen to the, the audible book Dark Money all about those guys, the Koch brothers. So exciting. So fun. They're so charming. Um, and he's like kind of a big deal, not just as a journalist, but he's been on um, – uh, his research on the Koch brothers, how about this, has been featured on HBO's The Newsroom. Okay. The documentary is Merchants of Doubt and Citizen Koch. And um, he also was an investigative blogger for Think Progress, home of uh, the blog that is part of Center for American Progress. And as we all know, Neera Tandon, my, my correspondent, online correspondent, uh, is there. And um, he's now at The Intercept. And we're going to talk to him in just a second. And then at the end of the show, we have a special, I think we have a breaking, we're breaking it. It's an exclusive. It's a radio exclusive about this hullabaloo. Now, this really is hullabaloo. Is it a Donnybrook? It is a a Donnybrook. um, A tempest in a teapot. A tempest in a teapot. We're going to be talking to Nomiki Konst, who is the host of the uh, the Filter on Sirius XM, um, Progress, and a Bernie surrogate and at-large delegate. And she's going to tell us about this little thing NBD, guys, no big deal, but there may or may not have been a Democratic delegation meeting at which um, certain delegates were not allowed to speak. Certain of them, certain delegates had their mics cut, okay? 
mic cut, not mic drop. Cut the mic was the command. Were they was there were they bound and gagged? They weren't, but a, one of the people there was actually no joke. She was um, a young woman of color who tried to move to. Do you say dais or dies? How do you say it? Dais. 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 Um, to second a motion that was uh, basically we'll get into it, but she was they were challenging Governor Cuomo. Blah blah blah. No, the rules were not being respected. The procedural rules. The Roberts. Robertson, Robertsonian, Robocop, whatever. Do you rules. know where I learned those rules, the where? Roberts rules of holding where? a meeting? Uh, from watching The Wire. There you go. Yeah. So much. Stringer oh. Bell. He tried to get uh, oh, like all the Stringer crack Bell. dealers in Baltimore to follow Roberts' rules. It oh, didn't Stringer. work out so well for him. It didn't. Okay. No, it didn't. No spoilers. But that doesn't mean that Roberts' rules don't work well. I mean, what we have is it's a disaster in the Baltimore drug scene, and it may or may not be, spoiler alert, it is a disaster at the New York State Democratic Party leadership. Is there any difference? Unclear. Yeah. Unclear. We'll find out. Boom. We find just did a out. fist bump that you can't see. But Nomiki Kantz was there, and she's going to talk to us about this major uh, obstruction of democracy that involved a young woman of color trying to move to the dais to second a motion, and an older white male Hillary supporter hitting her with his hand and his cane. Wow. With, a, mean, with a crooked cudgel. Uh, yeah, a crooked cudgel. So we're so excited. So we're going to talk to Lee Fong and Nomiki Kantz. But let us talk right now to Lee Fung. Is he there? Is he? Is his mic hot? Yeah. Okay. Lee, are you hey. there? Hey. Thank you. Hear you me? Yes. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you are talking to me, Katie Halper, and to Gabe Pacheco, my co-host, and Reggie Johnson, our uh, engineer in chief. And thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, Lee, I'm, we're really excited that you can talk to us because we know how busy you are, because you cover a lot of corruption and dark money and what we like to call Michigas here at WBAI. Uh, so that keeps you pretty busy, right? Never a dull or free moment. Um, but we want to talk to you about some of the things that you've written recently at The Intercept. And last week we had Zed Jelani. So we're having back-to-back -back Intercept uh, reporters on the show. That's how much we like the intercept so just want yeah. you to know that full disclosure we're fans um now you have an article that you wrote for the intercept that is about elizabeth warren and it's pretty it's pretty cool it sheds a lot of light on the way the media works um and it's it is called attacking elizabeth warren political reporters will grant you anonymity and this came out this week and you basically talk about the way the, quote, elite media journalists uh, use anonymous sources in articles that either criticize Warren directly or warn other politicians about the dangers of embracing her, her political style, and the policies she advocates. Um, and then you give a special shout out, Lee, to um, Ben White from Politico, because I get, he had a piece on Monday, and it uh, cited five anonymous sources, and these sources including included one top Democratic donor, one moderate Washington Democrat, and one prominent hedge fund manager. Now, I have a question for you. I may I may have made a discovery that could help you. Ready? Ready for this? Yeah, lay it on me. Okay, I'm going to lay it on you. Ready? I think I may have figured out who these people are because the Wall Street Journal, you may or may not have noticed, had an article that the headline of which talked about the split within the Sanders campaign. And to demonstrate the split, which was apparently over whether or not he should drop out of the race, this was last month, 
Um, they spoke to Divine and um, Jeff Weaver, and neither one said he should drop out. And then the people who, who said he should drop out just happened to be um, a, a hedge fund manager, a donor. And I'm wondering if they just recycled these people, those people that were named. Um, now, of course, the, the, uh, the malpractice, the journalistic malpractice in that case was the fact that not a single person who, was, uh, who wanted Bernie Sanders to drop out actually had anything to do with the campaign despite the headline and the opening paragraph, which again presented the article as kind of an expose on the split within the campaign. So, yeah. just saying, <laughs> there could be some that, overlap. There's a, I mean, this is something that is just so pervasive in political reporting. Um, it's hard to begin anywhere um, because it happens every day. It happens with all types of stories. Um, but, you know, the trend is uh, if you're reporting on a public interest issue or, you know, um, a marginal but progressive politician, uh, the best way to attack them is to use these blind quotes, these anonymous quotes. And, you know, in journalism, you know, th there, there are some circumstances where this type of um, reporting tactic is embraced and seen as acceptable. You know, if there's a source who's you know, they could be tortured or they could lose their life or, you know, something horrible could happen to them if you reveal their identity. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's best to provide the reader with as much information as possible so they can judge what are the biases and what the point of view or potential conflict of interest is uh, for the person being quoted. And, yeah, I mean, for Elizabeth Warren, I mean, it's just a special phenomenon. The article from Morning Money, Ben White... Um, as he calls himself, based on his column, I guess. Um, he, uh, he took five different uh, anonymously quoted individuals, hedge fund manager, you know, a consultant, um, a Democratic Party leader, supposedly, and had them quoted to um, warn uh, the, about the dangers of bringing Elizabeth Warren uh, as Hillary Clinton's running mate. And it would be basically a major misstep for the campaign. She would lose all her campaign financing, especially from Wall Street. Uh, there are other potential pitfalls. But, I mean, this is a regular thing. Like, we found just in, like, a searching for about an hour and a half or so, 15 other examples, other articles. But with the, within those articles, you know, lots of blind quotes of the same thing happening constantly. Oh, you know, when, when Elizabeth Warren was thinking about running for Senate on Massachusetts, you know, there's a anonymously quoted Democratic consultant saying, you know, do they really want to do this? Or when she gets elected to the Senate and Democratic um, uh, Senate leadership promotes her to a leadership role, you have anonymously quoted lobbies saying this isn't a big deal or, or maybe uh, she'll actually lose clout. Like, you know, who are these people? Is this, is this just uh, a lobbyist who doesn't want to see Elizabeth Warren ascend in the party? Is this someone who's actually being investigated by Elizabeth Warren and they don't want to put their name out there because obviously – that would detract from the power of their quote. And we have no idea. But it's a cowardly tactic uh, on both ends, both from the reporter who constantly uses these blind quotes and from, of course, the source who doesn't want to, uh, who wants to lob bombs and pick pot shots without having any responsibility. Right. It's kind of like um, testifying, not being able to see your accusers in court. That sounds like everybody who leaves uh, comments on my YouTube videos. <laughs> That's true. You're no better than... Lee, then, uh, then Gabe Pacheco's nasty YouTube commenters who don't even have the courage to put their name up there. 
They don't even there put an go. avatar up there. No it's avatar. just uh, just Same a much. question mark where the face should be. Yeah, or like it's, it's the Twitter egg of uh, journalism. I mean, this is, this is like super normal for like political journalism, but could you imagine any other major story reported this way? Like, oh, some well-placed engineer says there's a planned demolition that brought down the Twin Towers or something. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, so we should, we should just believe, you know, some, some anonymously quoted engineer or something. Like, this, this, this would be insane. This tactic would be insane to use for most stories, but it can become the complete norm for politics just because it's kind of a, I mean, half of this political coverage is just theatrics and, and pushing a certain narrative. It's not actually hard news that's being reported. Right. Or or you could think of it in different even political contexts where it's like anonymous source businessman who didn't want to be named calls Donald Trump the best, the most unbelievable, <laughs> fabulous, amazing when when you guys say uh, politician out there. Unnamed so unnamed hedge fund a hedge fund uh, man or businessman, I just imagine like the monocled Monopoly uh, character from the Parker Brothers game, just like twirling his mustache. Yeah, that's probably who it is. Or it could be. And in a lot of cases, it could be like the same person, too, right? Like, what oh, if this yeah. is a former White House official who's also a Democratic strategist who also is a consultant at a hedge fund? It could be literally the same person quoted different stories, but then characterized a different way for you each story. You know what I love about that's what one of the things I love about the Democratic Party is that you can be all those things at once, right? I can wear, you can wear many hats. You can wear many top hats and monocles and uh, suits. And, uh, yeah, it's a really intersectional. It's what I love about the intersectional <laughs> position of the Democratic Party, right, is that you're not – it's very millennial-esque. It's very kind of – it's beyond the binary, right? You accept – you have these multiple – multiplicity of identities inter, interacting, overlapping, right? It's just very fluid. I get, very fluid. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, exactly. So um, – yeah, how long did you say it took you to compile these 15 hits of um, anonymous I, mean, I just looked smears? Monday afternoon. We put up the story Tuesday morning. We, I looked for an hour or two. Um, but I'm sure there are more. This was not an exhaustive search. I just did a quick thing on LexisNexis. Right. But, um, you know, it's, I'm sure you can find dozens more, and especially if you look more on the consumer issues that we cover, or if you just read Politico. Politico is probably the worst defender in yeah. this world. Yeah, um, for the piece talk- that we put up, it was, we, we focused on Ben White, but I mean, you find probably, if I had to guess, hundreds, if not thousands of examples of this just on, on Politico. Right. And Politico, of course, was, was still pushing that uh, the chair's throne narrative at the Nevada convention, uh, even though there were no, no chair's throne. But you know what? They're kind of, they're, they're, I like it. They're like quaint, they're old school. Like, they don't need to keep up with the news. They're, they're like, you know, I don't know. There's something charming about that. Yeah, sticking to a story. Well, I just like the chair, the chairs being thrown narrative myself personally. I mean, I'm a fan of wrestling. Exactly. So yeah, a lot of drama there. I'm their demographic, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if you found 15 in a couple of hours, it's probably fair to say that they're like, I don't know, what you could find like a thousand a, a week. Someone better at math than <laughs> what, what that would turn into. But I just wanted to read some of the top hits. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening, guys, again, these are my some of my suspicions, right? Because I think these. These descriptions match up uh, to the anonymous sources that are cited in the political piece. Uh, could be maybe Orrin Kramer, a New York hedge fund manager. Um, I'm also thinking another possible source could be just going through the that, that other schlocky article, uh, this one being from Wall Street Journal. Could be, um, what's this guy's name? 
Tom Daschle, maybe, because he's also cited. Maybe um, Alan Kessler, uh, who is a fundraiser. So again, these may be actually repeat uh, uh, witnesses. Anyway, just a little theory. But uh, what what was one of your favorite ones, Lee, of of the of the anonymous smears that you found? Oh God! I mean, I they're know all so many. They're all so great, right? They're they're bad. I mean, I mean, just like uh, I think one of my favorites was someone like close to the administration. This was in a political piece about Elizabeth Warren coming out against the Trans Pacific Partnership, this uh, controversial trade deal with uh, eleven other Pacific Rim countries. Um, yeah, I mean, this was like a big political deal, and this whole article was about how the administration was unhappy with uh, Warren disagreeing with Obama on this. But they, they I think the quote here is saying that this was just a sign of desperation. So it's like, oh yeah, okay, that was great. Someone want to grab a spine and and take credit for such a claim? Like, if, if you want if you want to smear her like that, right. no. It's like someone close to the administration. Was that person a banker close to the administration? Was right. that someone who was literally lobbying for the deal? Of right. course, they'd say it's a sign of desperation. Or was it someone of authority? You know, uh, who knows? Right. I mean, and you could you could read this, and then you'll you'll see these quotes then discussed on MSNBC and on the nightly news, and it becomes like a big headache for, I guess, people who who want to talk about the deal because again, then we're talking about what some uh, random person potentially self-interested person said about how Elizabeth Warren is now, um, you know, creating a new divide within the Democratic Party, and we get to talk about this kind of horse race version of, of, of the deal rather than saying, hey, you know, maybe she has legitimate concerns, and let's discuss the content of the deal and what this means for American uh, workers or whatever. You know, the, but that, that, takes, that takes a lot more work, right, just in right. terms of reporting the story, and it doesn't achieve the same end, which right. is, you know, uh, to diminish... Uh, her effort to steer the deal towards uh, a, a different policy outcome or to, to block it. Right. It gets in the way of the uh, pro-oligarchy agenda. That the media... <laughs> that, that's a much more, uh, that's, a, that's a better summary. That's good, That's good, right? You can use yeah, it, Lee. That's better. Yeah. Totally use it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, a, yeah, the actual quote. A, a well-placed source on talk radio. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 You can name me. Just, I'm out. I'm a public, I'm publicly, you know. I, yeah, but you could be anyone that way. I mean, I'm just saying. I right, I know. Lot, you know. I know, yeah. I could use it like five times in different stories. Yeah, exactly. You could be like a female, uh, a female radio uh, personality. You could say a secular Jewish radio personality. <laughs> you could say a native New Yorker radio personality. You could you just, you know, compartmentalize me as many times. Again, intersectionality. For sure, that's the intersectional exactly. way to do it. I love it. Like, whoa. Um, yeah, the exact quote that you were citing um, – was, uh, yeah, said that Warren's stance on TPP, her opposition to it, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership, was a sign of desperation. Really like that. Uh, then you got one of my favorite quotes of all of them, which actually caused me to underline and write OMG under it, was uh, also a political article, political article, um, in which a, uh, a senior Wall Street Democrat... I love that, by the way. Senior Wall Street Democrat. That's just beautiful. Uh, Senior Wall Street Democrat said, quote, in this case, the thing Warren was against, adding another Wall Street anti-regulatory guy, wasn't even remotely true. And um, then the source, uh, Ben White, noted in his piece, uh, quote, like many interviewed for this article, declined to be identified by name to avoid Warren's wrath. 
See, Lee, that's when you're wrong. That's where you're wrong. You said that it's the protocol is to be anonymous when your life is at risk, right? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is known really well for, you know, her work on bankruptcy law, on uh, predatory lending, but she also has the power to send random Wall Street Democrats to Gitmo. Exactly. She actually, not as well known. Right, not as well known because she's stealth, because what happens? Snitches get stitches, stitches. as Gabe likes to say. That's right. Um, I learned that from Cameron. Yes. Don't and snitch. Don't snitch because you will get sutures, <laughs> to, to, to paraphrase it. But, yeah, I love the idea that, um, you know, she is what you see in Elizabeth Warren waiting for you in, like, the Senate lunchroom with a baseball bat. Just just, ghoul, <laughs> just ghoulish with a ghoulish, Grim Reaper sight. Grim Reaper sight. Maybe she does, like, a little uh, Tanya Harding move on you. She's like, I heard, I heard you had my name in your mouth. <laughs> Keep my Keep name, my out, name your out, out of your mouth. She's like Marlo from uh, The Wire. <laughs> exactly. She's like, my name is my name. Um, e Dubs, Lizzie Dubs. Um, but uh, you know what they say? Hell, hell uh, hath no fury. Like, like Elizabeth says, Warren. Elizabeth Warren scorned her wrath. Um, yeah, maybe if they didn't talk about her like anonymously, she wouldn't be so mad, and she wouldn't have to take violent measures. Uh, yeah, that's you. the subtext to the Politico piece. Exactly. On Monday, like they 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 said, you know, explicitly that it, that they don't want her on the Clinton ticket because you know she's so populist, she's so progressive, she's going to dry up campaign donations, yada yada. She's too far left, but really she's got this extraordinary rendition power, and she's going to get revenge on anyone who's quoted exactly. and talks and the irony talks poorly is, of her. So and the uh, irony that, being, of course, all these people are for us. That, you know, don't really care about due process, which is a subject we're going to bring up next. But sorry, Gabe, what were you saying? Oh, I just like that last thing you said, Lee, that um, the Democrat, the DNC is worried that she's going to dry up uh, donations that are coming from what, like ultra wealth, ultra wealthy people aren't going to donate. But I feel like, you know, there could be a positive spin on that, that she will uh, that she's standing up for everyone, everyone else, the 99 percent of people that don't have a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, uh, wouldn't it be nice to see who these people, you know, the identity of the people making these claims? Because they might just be folks who uh, have a lot of power in the party and don't want to see their power diminished to Elizabeth Warren, right? Like, uh, if anything, having Elizabeth Warren there, and if they, if what they're saying is true, and there are less corporate donations and, you know, um, big money from, from Wall Street and K Street, uh, that could make the party more... Um, you know, responsive to its base. Right. But, you know, it's hard to evaluate these claims when they're all blind quotes. Right. I, I do like that idea when people use things that are supposed to be insults, uh, but they're actually great, like praise of someone. So, you know, people are like, Bernie Sanders wasn't even a Democrat before. I'm like, stop selling him so hard. I already like the guy. You don't need to push <laughs> yeah. him. So you don't mean to push me. I already like him. Um, I also, another one of the quotes that I really like was from um, an actual top Republican-leaning Wall Street lawyer who said over lunch in Midtown Manhattan that Warren would be a nightmare. I don't know why I imagine him talking like that, but I do. A nightmare. Uh, again, not sure why uh, we want a uh, Republican-leaning Wall Street lawyer to be pro uh, Elizabeth Warren. And what type of lunch was he having? I mean, this is sloppy journalism. Was it halal food cart? <laughs> or was it what? sloppy Joe? Speaking of sloppy journalism, all questions we need to know. All things we need to know, right? Well, yeah. Lee, can you also talk to us a little bit uh, about uh, what it's like being a reporter during this election, if it's different at all from being a reporter during the other elections? And also, 
want to get to the the gun uh, filibuster that the liberal that liberals are really getting forclemmed over. But of course, there's another angle to it. They love it, man. They tears, it. tears, tears and eyes. Literally tears and all sorts of, uh, you know, um, uh, out different different um, substances. I like mean. I like any time that guns are threatened because I've got tons of stocks in uh, in ammunition and gun companies. Right. And sales just keep going up. So can you tell us a little bit about um, whichever one you want to talk about first? You want to talk about the Twilight Zone that is um, reporting on politics right now? Or do you want to start with the um, the terrorist fearmongering, as your colleague uh, Glenn Greenwald at the Intercept describes? What's going on with the filibuster? Yeah, let's start with the filibuster. Okay, I mean, that's great. in the news right now, so yeah. why not? You're like, why don't we start with an actual concrete question <laughs> instead of a really big, abstract, <laughs> yeah. open-ended, how's it, uh, how's touchy-feely, meaningless Love that open-ended thing, question. Right? How's yeah. it feel to be you? Yeah. What makes you tick? <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think the last time we saw this tactic deployed with members of Congress in the minority party, you know, taken to the floor and refusing to leave until uh, there's a vote on their preferred issue was in 2008 during the, that presidential campaign. But House Republicans were going to the mat demanding uh, a vote on offshore drilling or drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, I believe, uh, the drill baby drill stuff. So you know, this time Democrats are doing it. And, um, you know, for any of these things, I see a lot of folks on Twitter saying, oh, it's a political ploy, it's, uh, it's a political sign. Of course it is. But, you know, I think the question is, is it an honorable one? Is it something that's actually uh, working towards um, a big solution? You know, these, these are, you know, sit-ins have a really special place in American history. They're used to kind of draw attention to racial segregation, to racial apartheid in the United States. And so for Democrats to deploy the tactic now, um, it's a little bit weird because, you know, there is a gun crisis in America. There are too many guns. They're being used too much to commit violence. Um, I think that's pretty objective. But um, uh, for Democrats today, they are doing uh, this because they're trying to force a vote on a bill sponsored by New York Republican Peter King uh, that, would a give, that would give the attorney general powers to go in and block gun sales to people the attorney general deems as suspected terrorists or ties to suspected terrorists. And uh, what's generally believed is that they will use something like uh, the terror watch list, which is a secret list. Um, and, it's, you know, it's been talked about a lot in the past where, you know, to be added to this list, no one knows the criteria, no one knows the exact contents of the list, but generally speaking, it's just lots of Arab Muslim names, um, lots of them duplicates of other people with similar names. So, you know, even babies that are seven months old have been added to this list. Baby, there are people baby who, Muhammad? Yeah, Probably. I mean, clearly, yeah. clearly. Um, Only going to be one or, those, one or two of those, yeah. yeah. Harris, mastermind, seven-year-old baby Muhammad. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's so many other, like, students and, and, and even politicians. What's kind of interesting here is that, you know, one of the people leading the sit-in uh, on the House floor this afternoon has been John Lewis, the mm -hmm. famous former civil rights activist turned uh, Georgia congressman. Mm -hmm. And he was added to the terror watch list uh, during the Bush years. And he, and he couldn't board He couldn't board a flight for uh, months. They, they would block him. would have to get an argument at the airport. His own office lobbied the Bush administration to take him off and, and asked the airlines to take him off. They couldn't do it. 
Oh, my God. How did he get on that terrorist watch list? Good for makes me like uh, him even more, actually. Or, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, in some ways. You know, yeah. he, he's, 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 he, I found an article from, like, 2005 or six talking about this. And, you know, he suspected it was from some of his arrests from, you know, engaging in civil rights disobedience actions or something else. But, like I said, uh, the criteria for adding one to the list is secret. Not only are the names secret, but the the, the criteria is secret. Right. You uh, got so... to keep us interested. You know, you got to play hard to get, or else we're not going to care. <laughs> what I like about all of this is that if I was on the list, I wouldn't know until I went to get a gun, and then would the gun owner, gun shop owner, have to be like, "Wait a minute, sorry, Gabe, but you're you're on the list." Is that? Do you find out that you're on the list when you go buy a gun, or would that be no? Because what don't would you happen? Find out when you go try to board a plane. I mean, that, that's hyper. What, what Gabe just said. Yeah. What, I mean, it depends if you buy more guns or board more planes. Right. Which, that's when you would find out. I can't tell because off. I split my time between those two activities. Yeah. Right. So. I'm, either, I'm either taking trips to Sandals or I'm going <laughs> and trying to get uh, another Sig Sour. If I'm not on my way to Turks and Caicos, <laughs> I'm definitely on my way to Walmart to buy uh, a uh, AK. 47? Is that a thing? That's a thing. Okay, good. I don't know that much. Yeah, you know, so it's ironic for someone who spends 50% of her for time. For different yeah. folks. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, there, there are a number of, there's, there's lots of bills that I think, um, you know, from the progressive point of view or for progressive critics are, are pretty reasonable, pretty unbiased, you know? You know, they could they could have a, they could push a ban on extended clip uh, ammunition. Uh, they could they could push uh, universal background checks. Right. the the, the gun show loophole or, you know, ban assault weapons, you know, these, these type of uh, things that I think are generally agreed upon in terms of um, a lot of gun safety experts say that you know, this would at least make some marginal effort in um, you know, uh, making it dif- more difficult for people to just obtain lots of dangerous weapons. Of course, none of these, these kind of options would end gun violence alone, but they would take at least um, an unbiased step towards uh, resolving the, the problem in some way. But instead, uh, House Democrats have gotten together. They've, they've actually filled out a discharge petition, meaning it's basically a, a special legislative maneuver saying if you get enough signatures on this petition, you can force um, the Speaker of the House to, to schedule a vote. And, you know, Speaker Ryan has not scheduled a vote on any um, gun control measure. Uh, however, the only discharge petition is for the Peter King bill that gives the attorney general vague rights to um, deny anyone suspected of terrorism without any uh, due process. But to be fair, uh, Peter King is one of those really postpartisan, bipartisan, reaching across the aisle, um, always working with Democrats. I'm being totally sarcastic. He is the guy from, is he from Long Island or Staten Island? One of those really, or upstate, Long Island, Long Long Island. Island. one of those really enlightened woke places. Sorry, guys, but it's true. Uh, and he's the one who's, of course, always trying to call on, like, um, uh, Congressman Ellis- Ellison and other Muslims just to kind of give us an update about what they're doing, making sure they're not up to anything, making any bombs in their base. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a delicious irony in this. I mean, delicious and uh, depressing. But, right. like, the guy that all these House Democrats are saying, you know, we've got to use these uh, time-tested uh, civil rights uh, racial justice tactics uh, to on, on on gun rights. They're they're rallying behind a bill sponsored by Peter King, who's constantly saying we need to um, you know monitor Muslims. We need to deploy special police to monitor mosques. You know, basically 
uh, he's explicitly called for um, uh, discrimination based on religion. And, and that's what Democrats are rallying behind today. And, and here's the other thing. I mean, Peter King's bill says the attorney general gets to deem, you know, um, which people are suspected terrorists. I mean, there, there's no process, at least in his bill. Um, but, you know, Peter King back in the 80s, he was a, an extremely vocal advocate for the IRA, the Irish Republican right, exactly. Army. You know, he, he loves um, his own particular type of terrorism. Would he be added right. to that own right. list? Um, top, yeah, top it's not, it's not of, clear, right? Top of the right? morning terrorism, if you will. Yeah, yeah, the kind of, the more friendly yeah. type. Guinness, yeah, Guinness-based, hoppy. No, not hoppy. Guinness is not hoppy, right? Yeah, he's into more like Sons of Anarchy terrorists <laughs> and, and le- less into... Uh, he's into IRA. He's got into it. IRA. He's into like uh, car bombs, the, the drink, of course, and perhaps the terrorist <laughs> tactic, unclear. Um, but yeah, basically, as a general rule, I'm going to put myself out there and say, Democrats, it's probably not a good look for you to get behind any bill by any Republican whose last name is King, be that Steve King or Peter King, right? Another super woke guy, Peter King, um, who's like a big Tea Party guy. Um, and yeah, do you see this bill that he wants to block Harriet Tubman 20s? Oh, my God. Wait, which king? Which king are we talking about? That's the other king. That's Steve. Steve Iowa. King. Oh, okay. Pete King, yeah. Steve King. I love it. We got a king in every yeah. port, or at least one in the Midwest, one in the ports of Long Island. Um, and yet, you know, so basically what we're seeing is that all these people are getting behind this this filibuster. And also, does John Lewis know that he was on this list and that what he's doing is basically making it likely that other people will experience what he experienced, except they'll be Muslim? You know, I would. I you know, I've seen so many articles today about Britain. About right. half of them are just about how do you stream it because people love that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That C-SPAN so turned true. off the cameras. Right. You know that the the House Republican leadership right. turned off the C-SPAN cameras, but then you know now we everyone has smartphones so they can periscope right. it. Right. Right. And you know, so half the articles aren't actually about the content of the bill that that they're pushing or the policies that they're pushing. They're like, oh, isn't it cool that you can. Periscope, right, right. Members of Congress, right. You know, Snapchat, Snapchat, Snapchat me sitting. Yeah, Snapchat me sitting, sitting. Snapchat hashtag hashtag Snapchat sitting. Um, and so basically, what you have, what I like about this discussion right now, which again, most liberals are praising. They don't either. They don't know about the racial profiling aspect of it, or maybe they don't care, or maybe it's both. You know, I don't want to reduce them to either or again beyond the binary. But what I love is that this kind of shows how terrible the Democrats are on um, civil liberties, um, on racial profiling, and then it also shows how terrible Republicans are on guns, right? So you have kind sure, of... Sure, And, like, they're, they're just both, both parties. I mean, I hate to be that guy, both parties, but, That's like, okay. we, both we sides totally here... Um, That's our snap, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm do the, the Ron Fournier thing, but, um, you know... <laughs> nice. yeah. they, they, they're, like, you know, they're totally using this as a, as a crass thing. I mean, look, um, when Nancy Pelosi was Speaker, do you remember any House votes she brought up on gun control when Democrats controlled Congress? Mm. I don't. Um, you know, there were a number of measures. Remember what Hillary Clinton was knocking Bernie and what Martin O'Malley uh, was knocking Bernie on on a regular basis for almost two months, um, late last year and early this year, saying that, you know, he... he uh, he voted in 2005 to, um, you know, uh, remove liability for gun manufacturers. I mean, which is objectively, I, I, I disagree with that right. that vote. I think it's a, it's a, it was a bad vote on, on Bernie's part. But look, 
like 30 other Democrats took the same vote as Bernie. Basically, every Democrat from a rural area voted the same way. And then look after that, it's like, okay, that happened in 2005. Democrats, if this is such a big issue, you want to run TV ads, you want to say that actually empowers the NRA, it's, it's made America a more dangerous place. Why didn't you do anything about it? That was like 11 years ago. Right. Hillary Clinton was in the Senate. Did she sponsor a bill to reverse that? Incremental, no. did, did she, incremental. Um, she, she never even discussed this issue once for over a decade until she realized that was a wedge issue between her and Bernie. Right. So, bam, that that's now like bam, the most important gun right. issue in America. Right. And of course, she sat on the board of Walmart, which is the up until recently was the biggest gun seller in the country and possibly in the world. So, well, uh, Lee, thank you so much for joining us. We would love to have you back if you're in New York. No, not if. When. When you're in New York, yeah. we would love to have you in studio. And everyone can check out Lee at The Intercept. You can also check him out on Twitter, where his um, handle, or nom de guerre, or nom de anti-guerre, because he's a real against the uh, uh, military-industrial complex, if I, if I can say that. Um, uh, Lee Fang, just that's it, right? On um, uh, Oh, wait, guys, I have to tell you something really quickly. Someone on Twitter wrote to me, mocking intersectionality is spitting in the face, because it's all caps, of feminists of color like me. Black women do listen to WBAI, act like we exist. Well, you know what, Dr. Bennett? You exist. I just want to go on record and say that. Um, and no, I wasn't spitting in the face of uh, intersectionality. I'm spitting in the face of the hijacking of intersectionality to support neoliberal and hawkish policies that, guess what? Newsflash are not good for black women who are not in the uh, economic elite. They're not good for anyone who's not in the economic elite. Did I just sound too soapboxy? No, that, that was Whatever. fine. Anyway, Lee, sorry you had to hear that. I don't like to be earnest in front of people I like oh. and respect, but I had to give that, do that little thing. Got to do it. Got to do you. it. And Lee, of course, you some, you're someone who's taken a lot of uh, very woke, um, racist attacks on Twitter from the Hillary Bureau. Yeah, you know, I, I covered the Tea Party for several years, um, you know, traveled the country, got a lot of, you know, very interesting trolls. You know, I, I hate the term trolls, but people who just like to send me hate every day. Right. But I've gotten some of the best ones this year covering uh, the Democratic primaries. A lot of I'm with her uh, profile is telling me to go back to China oh. or to say that I'm a Chinese spy. Oh. And a lot of these folks also have the intersectional hashtag that they use. I mean, it's, it's like what you're saying. I completely agree. I mean, I I kind of have scolded people for not taking a more intersectional approach to politics. But, you know, that, that term has been just so bastardized this year. It's like anyone who wants to take actually a non-intersectional role will embrace it and then, you know, tweet it a million times. Right. So, you know, right. I hear you. It's, yeah. it's a thing. I like I, I, I joke about it, but that's because the term has just completely lost right. meaning. We're not year. mocking intersectionality. We're mocking the abuse of it, really. That's what For I... For sure. Yeah, Taking it back. Taking it back. Yeah, reappropriating it. Okay, Lee Fong, thank you so much. And you are, he is not a Chinese spy, everyone. So, uh, Hiller, <laughs> HRC campaign, I just want to clarify that. Uh, but Well placed radio source, as I'm not. So. Yes, exactly. New York Secular Jewess. Um, and come back on. And thanks again for joining us. And now we're going to talk to you. Thanks Lee. for having me. Yeah, of course. Good to talk to you and Gabe. Thanks. All right. Bye, Take Lee. care, Lee. Oh, such a nice Bye. guy. Such a nice guy. And he gets so much hate. Literally, racist hate. Now, speaking of racist hate, we're not, we're not. We're not giving any of that away, right? You have to pay for that. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. <laughs> here's a place you can't find racist hate. But you know what you can find here? You can find some live uh, reporting, report back uh, with Nomi Kantz. Is Nomi there? 
I'm here, guys. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I hope that you enjoyed our little uh, Twitter fight with someone who called me out uh, for for not counting uh, black women or saying they don't exist or something. Um, uh, I loved it, and I loved listening to your interview with Lee because I am his. I'm a fangirl for Lee. I mean, kind of not to be whatevs, not to generalize, but like, what progressive woman is not a fangirl of Lee's? Yeah. And progressive I'm, men, honestly. I think he kind of challenged, of all, of all sexual orientations. I'm just going to put it out there. I think that's he's engaged, that's fine. That's intersectionality for you, exactly, yeah. Um, so, uh, Nomi, please, to tell us about what you, we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, because we were just having so much fun with Lee, and we got to get you yeah. live in studio, too, because you're here. But tell us what happened Tuesday. Jesus Christ, if I can say that. He came that. back? He uh, came back? He's in, he's in the building? JC? He's right here next to me, always. Nice. Um, so, so basically, yesterday we had the New York State delegation meeting. Um, I am a surrogate for Bernie Sanders, but I'm also not large delegate. Mm. And I was invited to this meeting, and I was around a bunch of really hardworking Bernie delegates who, uh, you know, who, who, who went out there and got the vote. They got enough signatures, and they got on the ballot, and they were voted delegates. Um, it was hard work. And part of that is, is being part of the democratic process. So we had this meeting of all the delegates, the Hillary delegates, uh, the Bernie delegates, it was the New York State delegation to go over some procedural stuff, have a unifying meeting, and listen to a bunch of you know speeches by Hillary people, essentially, and um, vote on who our New York chair was going to be. Now, we knew going into it that Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown was going to nominate uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. Didn't uh, Bob Andrew. Marley write a song about that? Buffalo, about Andrew Buff- Cuomo? Buffalo Mayor? Sorry, sorry. I, I just became my dad. I'm sorry. Reggie I'm also like from Buffalo, so oh. like, I'm sick of the Buffalo drive. Okay, sorry okay. about that. that I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That was unwoke of me. That was Buffalo-phobic. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Buffaloans will get over it because they have a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> No, so so they they like announced that Buffalo Mayor, you know Buffalo Mayor um, was there to to uh, essentially nominate the, this the, the Andrew Cuomo, right? Who's under federal investigation? Who's under U.S. The U.S. Attorney is it's investigating kind of a look him for high high up Democrats, huh? Being under investigation. Anyway, I I it's, it's the new standard. It's like you can't standard, move yeah. up unless you are being investigated. Exactly. Pretty much. You know what? I want to say that that uh, that's what I like in my musicians is sort of some street mm. cred and authenticity, and that's what I want from my politicians <laughs> exactly. too. Well, you know, Sant- yeah. and, and Donald Trump are basically the same person. Anyway, um, okay. Yeah. So back to your story. So because it's a long one. So. Um, we, go, we, we did our preparation. We had a meeting beforehand. We got all of our delegates on board, taught them about Robert's Rules of Order. And we got there, and we knew we were going to motion as a group that we were in opposition of this nomination. We didn't think we were going to win. We just wanted to do it. And partially because we had a nominee that was the opposite of Andrew Cuomo, who was Linda Sarsour. Uh, but, you know, also we wanted to make a statement. You know, we were 42% of the New York vote. We... Bernie Sanders won every single county north of New York City. She only won in counties and districts where there's still a Democratic machine in operation. So there's a divide in this party. It's not young versus old. It's not just uh, progressives versus the establishment. Right, right. Although there's some of that, yeah. And, and yeah, it's all of it. Right, right. And so, and, 
So and what so what was the real thing that what's the thing that made you scream your head and that we are exposing right now within the next two minutes um, yeah. about uh, something that happened that involved a cane? Okay, so they didn't listen to our vote at all. We were motioning, 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 and the secretary just ignored it. Mm. I stormed to the front. Mm. It's on camera. You can find it online on the Facebook page. I go to the front. I grab the mic that's in front of the dais, turn it on, and I go, maybe you didn't hear our vote. Maybe you didn't hear our motions. But there are 20 people back there motioning. And he just said, you're out of order. This is the secretary. Mm -hmm. And that's when Momita, who's part of our delegation, came up. She's walking down the aisle as I'm, like, basically trying to reason with the dais. That's all Hillary people that they're not following their own rules. She come, she's walking up, and she's hit by this Bernie delegate who is Wait, um, a Bernie an elderly gentleman from Washington. A Bernie delegate? I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh, my God. Hillary you see, delegate. the Bernie bro narrative is so strong, you confused it. Okay. Christ. A Hillary delegate, an old white man with a cane. I'm not making this yeah. up. Old white man with a cane hits a young woman of color, Mumid Ahmed, who's coming to yeah. uh, try to in, impose her democracy. Yeah, she's motioning. She's seconding a motion. He hits her with her hand for with his hand first, then he hits her with the cane, and it's on camera. Awesome. And she goes back, and she's like, what are you doing? And then we kind of hunt him down later to get his name. Of course, he doesn't say anything. They shut off my mic. We try to get that guy's name. It's Casey. Um, and what's the hitter's we name? We have Nick. We believe it's Nick Stitcher, Stilcher, okay, cool. something like that, from Washington. He's a county chair from awesome. Washington County. So, and, of course, um, this hasn't made the media. We actually have to yeah. go. We have to wrap up. But, but I'm sorry that we only gave this uh, – we didn't give this enough time. But we would love to have you on another time. What's media the bias. Face- and what-, what is the face – what did you say? Sorry. I said media bias. Media bias. Kidding. I know. Basically, we just got a call from, uh, from uh, you know, uh, the, the powers that be. They're like, you got to stop exposing this. But we, we <laughs> can find this video. We're going to post it on the Katie yep. Halper Facebook page, but it's also on the People for Bernie Facebook page. And we're going to talk more about the this. The New Yorkers for Bernie. New Yorkers, New Yorkers sorry. New Yorkers for Bernie mm-hmm. Facebook page. But again, just so you know, a woman of color was hit with a cane by an old man. And if imagine if this was done by a Bernie supporter to a Hillary supporter, just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. And also, more importantly, but not quite as sexily, is that uh, you weren't allowed to basically uh, participate in the democratic no. process. And it's all on um, Also, there's there's a lawsuit being filed. Okay, there's lawsuit. a lawsuit being filed, and she's pressed charges. Awesome. But so we will, feel so, free to not. You know. No, yeah, yeah. And again, Nomi, Nomi Kikans, we love her. She has her own show on Sirius Radio. And we will see you uh, sometime soon in the future. you got to update us. And we will see all our listeners, or hear all of them at least next week, 6 p.m. Find us on iTunes. I'm Katie Halper, Gabe Pacheco, Reggie Johnson. We love you. Bye.